0: Welcome to Season 4 of A New Voice of Freedom, written by Ronald Keith Messer. This podcast is taken from a series of books written under the banner In Defense of Christianity. Podcast 147, Argument for the Existence of God, Episode 4, is entitled, God and the Existence of Absolute Law.
1: As recorded in the last podcast, In The God Delusion, Mr. Richard Dawkins makes the following statement.
0: However statistically improbable, the entity you seek to explain by invoking a designer, the designer himself has got to be at least as improbable. God is the ultimate Boeing 747.
1: Mr. Dawkins is referring to Hoyle's Fallacy. The following description of Hoyle's Fallacy is from Wikipedia Encyclopedia.
0: The junkyard tornado, sometimes known as Hoyle's fallacy, is an argument against biogenesis, using a calculation of its probability based on false assumptions as comparable to a tornado sweeping through a junkyard might assemble a Boeing 747 from the materials therein, and to compare the chance of obtaining even a single functioning protein by chance combination of amino acids to the solar system full of blind men solving Rubik's cubes simultaneously.
1: Atheists must account for the existence of life in the same way that theists must account for the existence of God. Statistically, it is not possible that life or creation happened by accident. Christians argue for intelligent design. Strangely, science argues for accident. Christians do not feel they need to prove the existence of God, for faith is extra-metaphysical. That is to say, it is outside of physics or outside of science. God simply cannot be proven or disproven by the scientific method. To put it another way, no one, theist or atheist, scientist or non-scientist, can prove or disprove the existence of God. Christians claim that to perceive God, one must have the testimony of the Holy Ghost, which appeals to the heart rather than to the mind. It is often referred to as having spiritual eyes. Things of the Spirit can only be discerned by the Spirit. Let's turn to the writings of Paul in 1 Corinthians 2.
0: But as it is written, Eye hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man, the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ.
1: When Christ was on the earth, thousands of people saw him, but only a few saw him as the Messiah, because they did not see him with spiritual eyes or with the eyes of faith, or by the witness of the Holy Ghost. The same claim is made for the other senses. For example, Christians use the phrase, still small voice, to describe the whisperings of the Holy Ghost. In 1 Kings 19 we read,
0: And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mountain before the Lord, and behold the Lord pass by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains, and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire a still small voice.
1: In Matthew 11, the Savior refers to the still small voice in a different but profound way. Speaking of John the Baptist, he said,
0: For all the prophets and the law prophesied unto John, and if ye will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear.
1: The above is prefaced by a very dramatic event. John the Baptist is in prison, and as we know, will soon be beheaded. John sent his disciples to Jesus, and they asked him the following.
0: Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, He sent two of his disciples and said unto them, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them.
1: John had ears to hear. And likewise, the whispering of the Holy Ghost is all the proof that any true disciple of Christ needs, but everyone must hear it for himself or herself. Many witnessed the miracles of Christ, but did not believe he was the Messiah. Jesus knew that John the Baptist, who understood the prophecies relating to Christ, would see his miracles through spiritual eyes, for he offered no other proof that he was the true Messiah. Still, the existence of God and the existence of life must be accounted for. In this podcast, I do not attempt to prove anything, for as I stated, I do not believe the existence of God is provable or disprovable by argument or by science. One must find out for himself or herself such intimate knowledge as a personal relationship with God. I can bear my testimony that I know God exists, and though I have heard the still small voice many times, just as many of you have. I believe that he speaks to every one of his children, whether they have ears to hear, that is between them and God. However, in this podcast, I am going to be bold enough to offer my opinion of how and why God must exist. In other words, I wish to address the paradox of the existence of God. For me, intelligent design is the only explanation for the existence of life on Earth. Science, a master of the scientific method, reveals the mysteries of the earth and temporal law. However, science knows nothing about God and cannot be trusted with their opinions about God, as I shall try to approve. Their arguments quickly deteriorate into hubris, which I find to be the primary fault of the book The God Delusion, written by a devout atheist, Richard Dawkins, a book that purports to disprove the existence of God. Passionate atheism, just like passionate religion, often causes one to lose objectivity, and their arguments quickly fall into fallacies. Fanaticism is as much a danger to science as it is to religion. The following statement by Mr. Dawkins suggests that he doesn't have enough distance between him and his subject to treat it objectively.
0: The God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character in all fiction. Jealous and proud of it a petty, unjust, unforgiving control freak, a vindictive, bloodthirsty, ethnic cleanser, a misogynist, homophobic, racist, infanticidal, genocidal, philicidal, pestilential, sadomasochistic, capriciously malevolent bully.
1: You can find in the Bible anything you look for, but the above statement is too silly to take seriously. Mr. Dawkins appears to have put aside his white scientific coat and put on the white collar of the woke religion. His religion is atheism. It does explain partially why a man of such talent allowed so many contradictions in his argument. The loss of objectivity always leads away from the search for truth. My advice to anyone is to seek truth, not science, not religion, not support for a burning cause causes often lead to fanaticism, where the ends justify the means. Seeking truth is the only safety. I take my motto from the words of the English Poet Club. Play no tricks on thy soul, O man. Let fact be fact, and life the thing it can. However, science actually gives us an insight into why, or I should say how, God exists in the first place. But before I continue, there are four assumptions that I must ask you to accept as irrevocable, absolute, and unchangeable.
0: Assumption 1. Something can never come from nothing. Assumption 2. All things are made of matter and energy. Assumption 3. Matter and energy cannot be created or destroyed. Assumption 4. Even God will not violate the three laws above.
1: There are many other assumptions we must make, such as, even miracles cannot violate law, and all blessings are predicated upon law, and all creations of God, such as planets or galaxies, or even kingdoms of heaven, etc., are governed by a complete set of laws, and to understand those kingdoms, we must understand the laws of those kingdoms, but the four laws above are sufficient for my argument accounting for the existence of God. Ostensibly speaking for the scientific community, here's how Mr. Dawkins explains first cause for the origin of life.
0: The origin of life only had to happen once. We therefore can allow it to have been an extremely improbable event, many orders of magnitude more improbable than most people realize, as I shall show.
1: And here's how Mr. Dawkins explains first cause for life on Earth.
0: Natural selection works because it is a cumulative one way street to improvement. It needs some luck to get started, and the billions of planets' anthropic principle grants it that luck.
1: As you can see, Mr. Dawkins gives no real explanation. According to his theory, life happened by accident, and natural selection needs luck to get started. How is that acceptable as a scientific explanation? Effectively, it says, Science has no idea how life began. Mr. Dawkins has no argument because science has no logical explanation for the existence of life. It cannot be found using the scientific method by science which deals with mortal matter only. Mortal matter is subject to entropy. It is ironic because fundamental to science is the law that matter and energy cannot be created or destroyed. In other words, matter and energy are self-existent and eternal. That opens the door wide for an understanding of the existence of life and the existence of God. It is a short leap from the concept that matter and energy cannot be created or destroyed to the concept that the essence we call life or consciousness or intelligence, which must also be made of matter and energy, cannot be created or destroyed. In other words, intelligence self exists. There is no other working explanation for the existence of life but self existence. When considering that something can never come from nothing and all things are made of matter and energy, it follows that intelligence must be made of matter and energy. Not all matter and energy are the same, and not all matter and energy are reducible. Science deals only with reducible matter and energy. Therefore, they draw their conclusions about God and the origin of life from reducible matter, and that is their strength and their weakness. They may deal brilliantly with temporal things, But they know nothing of spiritual things they understand temporal laws only but not spiritual laws science is confined to temporal laws and temporal laws only govern temporal matter they have no power over spiritual laws that means there are two kinds of matter and energy that which is reducible and that which isn't all living things have a spirit made of irreducible matter it is the spirit that gives life to the physical body That is what Moses meant when he said in Genesis 2,
0: And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul.
1: Only the physical body was made from the dust of the ground. The breath of life was the immortal spirit placed in the physical body to give it life. That spirit contained life and intelligence and consciousness. Only then did Adam become a living soul. We all have that spirit in us. The physical body dies, but our intelligence, our consciousness, our spirit, our life doesn't. It continues to live and will live forever carrying all the memories of life on earth. At death, the body goes back to what David called the dust of death. But the spirit continues to live. It cannot die, for it is made of eternal, immortal matter to refine to see with the naked eye. I revert to my original claim. Science can never prove or disprove the existence of God. No matter how many laws science discovers, a creationist can always say intelligent design was behind it. It is very annoying to atheists. It reminds me of a short story I once read. Unfortunately, I don't remember the author, but the story was very clever. One boy told his friend, I can make you do anything I want. The boy challenged him, but every time he acted, his friend said, I made you do that. Finally, in frustration, the boy angrily punched his friend in the nose. The friend calmly retorted, I made you do that. I may also add that science can never prove or disprove their theories of first cause. They would be more credible if they stayed focused on the scientific method and abstained from declaring as true any theories they cannot prove through the scientific method. The only possible solution is implied in the four assumptions or laws stated above. If you accept as true that,
0: Something can never come from nothing. All things, temporal or spiritual, are made of matter and energy. Matter and energy cannot be created or destroyed. Even God does not violate the three laws above.
1: Before going further, let me remind you of the anthropic principle because Mr. Richard Dawkins uses the Anthropic Principle to justify his argument against God, or intelligent design. Roughly, the Anthropic Principle suggests that observations about life can only happen in a world capable of producing intelligent life. It follows, so claim atheists, that Earth has intelligent life, therefore, Earth is capable of producing intelligent life. Let me point out the fallacy of the Anthropic Principle. Because intelligent life exists on the earth, in no way proves that earth has the ability to produce intelligent life. Consider the fact that we put men on the moon. Does that mean the moon has the ability to produce intelligent life? The most the anthropic principle can claim is that earth has the ability to sustain intelligent life, not produce it, or more accurately, not being the first cause of life. Considering the anthropic principle, we still don't know where intelligent life came from. Considering the assumption that something can never come from nothing, that matter and energy cannot be created or destroyed, then it is logical to assume that intelligence, which must be made of matter and energy, also self-exist. It cannot be created or destroyed. It is not a very large leap to assume that God is an intelligence, the greatest intelligence in the universe and he uses the available materials of the universe for his creations. There is a first cause to creation, but there is no first cause to intelligence. God is the quintessential intelligent designer. All creation is connected to a complete set of laws. That should be the first law of the universe. Again, we turn to the anthropic principle. The discovery of temporal laws we owe to science. No reasonable person questions the existence of law the discovery of spiritual laws we owe to religion. That is an act of faith which is beyond science. We know from observation, proven by science, that all temporal creations are governed by a complete set of laws. It follows, if we consider God as the intelligent designer, that all spiritual creations are governed by a complete set of laws. If we accept God as the intelligent designer, we must also accept the fact that God organized those laws for our benefit. It follows then that earth is a primary example of those laws for it sustains intelligent life. In other words, as the book of Genesis teaches us, earth was created first and then man was placed on earth. Everything is governed by law. My 44th grandchild was born two days ago. Her mother and father provided the full set of genes. None were missing. We do not have to invent theories to provide for the missing genes Because creation is governed by a complete set of laws. God is a God of law and order. Both parents provided the full set of genes. The mother provided the physical body. God provided the spirit, which contains the intelligence, which gave her life. The brain is not the center of consciousness. The spirit is the center of consciousness. The brain is not our intelligence. The spirit is our intelligence. Everything is accounted for. Mr. Dawkins uses natural selection to account for physical creation. Evolution is a science, but it is inferior to its billing. Evolution cannot do what atheists claim it can do. Those who claim that man came from monkeys, for example, overlook a very important flaw. Regardless of the similarities, monkeys do not have all the genes necessary for humans. Science focuses on the similarities between man and monkey. Common sense would say, focus on the differences. What mother would exchange her child for a monkey? It is impossible in any world for monkeys to produce humans or humans to produce monkeys. There is no luck anywhere in creation proven by the fact that all creation is governed by a complete set of laws. There is no room for accident, for coincidence, for luck, or for serendipity of surroundings. We know that. Though my granddaughter's mother and father produced the genes, neither her mother nor her father created her intelligence or her spirit or her consciousness. No one can answer the question why intelligence self-exists any more than they can answer the question why matter and energy cannot be created or destroyed or why there is something rather than nothing. The only thing that the anthropic principle reveals is that we are conscious of existence. Therefore, we must exist, or as Descartes said, I think, therefore I am. There can be no age to intelligence or consciousness or that essence we call life, or something could come from nothing. The answer to the first cause of intelligence is this there is no first cause of intelligence. Consciousness self exists, or it could not exist at all. By life, I mean intelligence or consciousness. If you accept that something can never come from nothing, you must accept the fact that God cannot create himself. If you accept that God self-exists as an intelligence, you must also accept the fact that all intelligent life self-exists. There's no beginning nor end into consciousness or intelligent matter, just as there's no beginning nor end into matter and energy. Now we must ask, why is God, God? That will be the subject of Podcast 150. Please join us next week.